This is the happy hour. You guys know the happy hour? Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Cleary. C is for chunk. <laughs> Brought to you by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome in. One o'clock hour here, 93.7 The Ticket. It's the happy hour. Huge thanks to Empire Fence and Netting for their support. As always, you're, it is Good Sense Friday as well. Huge thanks to uh, Jeff Barclay, Scott Ritter, and the entire Pillar Restaurant Group for, uh, for the Good Sense Fridays. Um, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I don't know if, there, if I could find a better sub sandwich out there. Well, I had Good Sense a couple days ago for supper. Really? Yeah, me and Rich were just sitting at home. I, we got the kids something, and we were like, what do we want? And she was like, a sandwich sounds good. And I was like, a sandwich does sound good. I was like, where do you want to go? She's like, Good Sense. You got to go to and Good Sense. And I was Sense. like, well, of course. You got to go to Good Sense. They have five locations in Lincoln. Uh, Pillar Restaurant Group, obviously, the venue, the 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 bistro. Um, there's a lot of places that's under that Pillar Restaurant Group umbrella. Uh, it made a great Christmas gift as well, by the way. Yeah. Because uh, you just get a gift card to the Pillar Restaurant Group, and they are it's good for of, all those restaurants. A lot of places to go. So, yeah, huge thanks to the Pillar Restaurant Group for Good Sense Friday, providing our staff with lunches as always. I get a little bit of ham and turkey on some white bread, uh, lettuce, onion, jalapenos, pepper jack cheese, Look mayonnaise. That. Loaded it up. Absolutely delicious. Loaded up. Yeah. Speaking of mayonnaise, how about the may- mayo bowl? Before we get to that, I want to shout out this uh, random person on the text line okay. who they don't have a name, but they said, shout out to Rico for making awkward eye contact with me in the Barbie aisle at Target on Wednesday. Oh, you were in the Barbie aisle. Yeah, I was doing some uh, birthday shopping for one of Ellie's friends. Not for Ellie. Not for Ellie. Ellie has enough Barbies. Okay. But I did say say hi to me next time and offer to buy a Barbie for my daughter. There so. you go. Perfect. We'll see what happens. Nonetheless, uh, <laughs> let's let's dive into Husker Hoops here because Nebraska basketball uh, gets their season back up and running today against South Carolina State. The Bulldogs uh, are 4-10 and ten going into this tonight's game against the Huskers. The Huskers, obviously, with that 10-2 and two mark here in 2023, this is kind of the last ease yourself into get ready to go. It's it's a good thing. Like we've talked about the advantages for the schedule to this point, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about the advantages to this of the schedule to this point where it's like you're starting out with Ryder, you're starting out with teams like Lindenwood, Stony Brook, those kind of not cakewalk necessarily, but it allows you to ease and kind of glide into the season, right? The games. Get get guys healthy, get guys fully healthy. Maybe you don't have to run all of your formations, all of your sets against those teams. It just allows you to kind of warm up, get ready for the rest of the year before you had to play Creighton and Minnesota yeah. and Kansas State, which obviously you lost two of those. Yeah. It lets you set up. It lets you look at who you want to have play together, your lineups, how you're gonna how you're gonna start games, what lineups work in certain situations. If you want to, if you want to mess with a big lineup, you yeah. put that in. You want to mess with a small lineup, you put that in. These are ways that you mm-hmm. can see which guys work really well together and which guys maybe you'll have to sub somebody out and, and bring a certain person in uh, in certain situations. And and also, it's a good way to get a look at maybe some of the 
not like super young guys that you might want to redshirt, but some of the younger guys mm -hmm. um, who might be on the end of your bench or close to the end of your bench who might get in during um, during blowouts or doing or when either you're blowing somebody out or you're getting blown out or in situations where you have foul trouble well, and where you're going to have to bring somebody else in. That's what I was exactly going to say, <clears throat> excuse me, was that the the games against Fullerton and even Oregon State when you won when you won 84-63, when you win 84-63 against Stony Brook, that's kind of convenient. You had back-to-back -back games where you won 84 to 63. I didn't even um, notice that. And that that's very rare, hmm. by the way. Interesting. Uh, what does it mean? What's Strick State? <laughs> anyway, uh, shout you out had, to Strick. Yeah, shout out to Strick. Uh, obviously, Lindenwood, Florida AM, uh, those types of games, even the North Dakota one that you were able to kind of bounce back at. What what allowed you what what was what were you able to do in those games? Well, you were able to get Matar into the game for a little bit, Matar's job. Uh you had you were able to get Eli Rice mm -hmm. some playing time. A guy who you feel really good about. You figured out, I think, a little more of a Sam Hoiberg role as well. Because last year he was kind of this energizer, and he can still be that this season, can Sam Hoiberg be? But it was the view last year was like this is a walk-on. It's the coach's son. He comes in. He provides a spark defensively, mm -hmm. and he's not going to ever give less than 100% effort. Mm -hmm. This year, it's like, okay, there's there's ways that he can find a role offensively, obviously doing the same thing defensively. He's gotten much stronger. If, if you just see him in person, he's gotten so much stronger than just he was even a year ago in last season. So they figured out roles for guys. Jawan Gary's fully healthy. We've seen mm -hmm. that. Jamarcus Lawrence is starting to evolve as as the dom as you know as the number one guard, uh, if you will. But like this tonight's game, it, it's a good thing that Nebraska doesn't have to come off of this hiatus, if you will, the short term hiatus mm -hmm. uh, because of the Christmas and holiday season. People coming back into town. against against Indiana yeah. or against a Wisconsin on the road. It's you get one more kind of a get back into the groove kind of thing game. Yes, you are 12 games into the season, but you haven't played since December 20th. And, and it was not a pretty game against North Dakota, but you figured out a way to get the job done. But you're able to get back and go to a, uh, against the South Carolina State. But then you know that as soon as that clock hits, hits zero, all right, conference season's upon you. You're in it. And it's and you're not starting off with, and you know, it's the Big Ten, so it's not really any easy conference games. But your first three, I mean, you're starting off in, in, in the wood chipper right now with Indiana, uh, Wisconsin and Purdue, two ranked mm -hmm. teams and a team that maybe should be ranked. I think they're sitting at what nine and two or something like that. Like Indiana is a really good team as well. So you're not going to ease into things in the on the conference side of things either. You're getting right into the fire. So uh, this South Carolina State, State State game coming off of your holiday break and having guys out of town yeah. coming back, getting back into the groove of things, as you said, and getting back on the court and getting familiar with each other uh, once again after a what nine day layoff. Yeah. Um, is extremely important, and it and it helps even more with a team that, you know, not to throw any shade, but South Carolina State's no not not anybody to write home about. Well, I think when you also look at just Nebraska's season, right there, there's a couple disappointments, and, and those are certainly the fashion that you lost to Creighton mm -hmm. is a, a 29 point loss, and then obviously the one that you followed up with against against uh, against Minnesota on the road when you had a 15-point lead or whatever, it wasn't half, and you ended up losing by 11. That, I mean, like, that's that's impressive to do. Yes. I mean, you you're, you were up by double digits, and you lose by double digits. Uh, you get outscored by 20-plus in the second half. 
Um, it, it's just, it was disappointing. But then this is something that you can kind of hang your hat on if you're Nebraska, is that you've been able to bounce back quite often, whether that's in the larger scope of like game to game or whether that's inside the actual 40 minutes of game time. And if you need an example there, look at the North Dakota game. For Nebraska, they were down by double digits to North Dakota. And and this don't get this you know, don't get this mixed up with the North Dakota State team mm-hmm. that dominated the one team by like 80 some points. That's not this team. This is North Dakota, not North Dakota State. That was also not a real team. It was not a real team, also. I don't know who that was. It was like a Bishop Sycamore type of deal. It it wasn't really, but it but like it's a real college, but it's like it felt like it. I don't know what that was. But nonetheless, you look at like North Dakota, right? And they they were similar to probably the South Carolina State type of team. They're similar to the uh the Stony Brooks or the Riders. You were down by double digits. This is also a North Dakota team that came into Lincoln a couple of years ago and beat you mm-hmm. at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And they come in, start shooting the lights out, and you're down by double digits for a majority of the first half. You go into halftime down double digits, and you start the second half down by, I think, as many as like 15 or 17 at one point, if I remember correctly. Well, what's the answer? All right, you guys are balanced as a roster. You have more talent than North Dakota had. And so CJ Wilcher steps up. Jawan Gary does his part. Josiah, or excuse me, yeah, Josiah Alex, same, same situation. You had six guys in double figures on that game against North Dakota that ended up resulting in an 83-75 Nebraska win. And throughout the entire season, in addition to all of that, what's been an incredible improvement for Husker Hoops? Free throw shooting. I was going to say rebounding. But I yes, mean, rebounding too. But free throw shooting, think about how many in years past, not even just, this is not a Fred Hoiberg program issue. This has been a Nebraska bugaboo. Yeah, we, we, went, through, years. we went through yes. it where guys shoot free throws well, yeah. wherever they're at. Not good. And then they come to Nebraska, they throw on the jersey, they play in PBA or in, in Devaney, and for whatever reason, the free throws refuse to fall. But Nebraska has been able now to put away games via the free throw line. They've Which been is, able to get back into games. They've been able to stop opponents' runs. I mean, I, I just remember on fouls last year when you're you're up, you're leading by I don't know, like five points or something like that mm-hmm. towards the end of a game, and you're like, I need this lead to grow from just shot making because yeah. if they start fouling and if Nebraska has to go to the free throw line, there's no way they they finish this game out because of how many front ends of one and ones they would miss. And, and, you know, you miss the front end of a one-on-one. Obviously, you're not getting the second shot. The team goes down, scores. They foul you again. You miss it again. So you're, you had zero confidence in Nebraska at the free throw line, whereas this season, it's still not, like, an amazing percentage, I don't believe, but it's something that you feel confident in. As a team, Nebraska is shooting 75% from the line. Okay, that's great. You take that. As a team, Nebraska is shooting 75% from the line. Last year, as a team, 63%. That hurts. The year before, 70%. The tw- year before that, which was 2020-2021, 62% from the free throw line. In 2019, Nebraska was 60% from the free throw line. <laughs> if Nebraska can make three out of every four f- four free throws, you feel pretty good about your chances in, in close games. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's going to find themselves. They're going to have to be a team that can win close games. You're not going to be able to, to defeat Indiana or the, the Purdue's or the, or not maybe even not the Purdue's the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's and the Northwestern's when they face you at, at your home floor, 
you're not going to be able to boat race them. The, the 20 point victories against Iowa that they experienced last year come few and far between. And that's mm-hmm. okay. That just means that there's a lot of pretty good basketball programs in the conference that you play in. So what's the difference maker turnovers, rebounding and free throws. And so far, Nebraska has done well in those three departments, mm-hmm. the free throws, especially and the rebounds, they need, the to, get, they need to get rink mass health. Yeah. Though. I was going to say what that's another part of what's been so impressive with their last two, three games is that they're doing it without, I think it was just two. They're doing it without rink mass. Yep. Um, and you've seen with him transferring in and, and through these first 12 games, just one tonight will be the second game. The second one. Okay. Mass. So, well, yeah, through two games, hopefully we'll see what happens tonight. It shouldn't really matter, but whatever. Um, just not having him and how important he's been to this program since he's transferred in, not only with his ability to score the mm-hmm. ball, but his ability to rebound has just been a game changer for Nebraska because, yes, he's not the same as a Derek Walker who would run the offense from the free throw line, from from that from the fingernail, as yeah. Nick likes to call it. Um, he's not, Rinkmast isn't going to do that, although he was showing an ability to do that. But his ability to rebound has been a game changer for Nebraska. And having somebody like Josiah Alec, who is kind of an energizer bunny in his own right, going after rebounds and just hustling after the ball all of the time, Nebraska's ability to get the ball after a, after a team misses and not give up you know, so many offensive rebounds like they were seasons before is another big reason why they're able to win these close games. Because you'd see at the end of game, how many... I, I, I want to say it was the Purdue game at home last year. Not Yeah. Was that the one that was close? You're right. Where K-State hit the big three at the end. Uh, they ended up going to overtime and Nebraska lost. And there was a point where they gave up like three offensive rebounds in one possession. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not happening this year. Nebraska is doing a really good job of not only boxing out, but actually grabbing the rebound. I mean, last year you, you had guys boxing out, but the ball still somehow finds the hands of the opposing team this year. Nebraska is able to get those rebounds and and get out in transition and and get into their offensive sets or score in transition and it's a very welcome sight. So in that in that game last year against the uh, the Boilermakers, you remember so that that game against Purdue it was back on December tenth of twenty twenty two. Number three Purdue came into Lincoln. Nebraska was six and five where six and four excuse me prior to this Purdue was nine and zero oh coming into Lincoln. Uh, Purdue led at the half 34 to 24. Nebraska then outscored Purdue in the second half 32 to 22. But then Nebraska lost uh, 65 62 when it was all said and done in overtime. You'll remember that uh, for the most part in that game, although the stat line doesn't show it, Derek Walker did an incredible job on Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Zach Eady still had double digit rebounds in that game, but he also he only had 11 points. And that was the big part. Derek Walker did an exceptional job defensively on Zach Eady, um, where also Casey Tominaga added 19 points. You had Derek Walker and Emmanuel Bandamel add 14. Sam Greasel had eight assists in that game. There was a lot of factors in it. I'm looking just at the, the stats from previous years, right? And just trying to find differences. And you look at like, now granted, we're only 12 games into the season here in 2023. Mm-hmm. But you have four people, four players averaging double figures. You have Rink Mass, who is averaging 13 and a half points and 9.9 rebounds per game. So essentially a double double. double. And he's also leading your team in assists per game. 
with three, which doesn't feel like a lot, but it's you have a lot of guys with 2.3 assists per game, a lot of guys with 2.9 assists per game, 2.2 assists per game. People are sharing the love. There's, there's, they're sharing the rock, right? So then you look at like previous years, and just for just for grins and giggles here, you look at a season like 2021, where you had Bryce McGowan's and Alonzo, Alonzo Verge feel like they had to do everything mm-hmm. for this roster. Um, and, and Bryce had averaged 17, had a good year, but Alonzo averaged 14. Well, the next closest was Derek Walker with eight, CJ Wilcher with seven, Trey McGowan's with five. So when you look at the differences from just this year to previous seasons, it's hard not to get excited about what this big 10 slate could look like Mm -hmm. and the opportunity that's in front of Nebraska basketball. Why? Because now Going against Indiana, it's not they only have to plan for Teddy Allen. It's not they they only have to plan for Bryce McGowan. Bryce McGowan's. It's oh man, we got to worry about Jawan Gary whether or not he comes off the bench, whether he starts. We got to worry about C.J. Wilcher coming off the bench, a guy who's averaging uh, seven points per game off the bench in seventeen minutes of game time mm-hmm. per night. You have to worry about Rink Mass, who's essentially a double double every time he steps on the floor. And Bryce Williams, who's an experienced guard from Charlotte. Oh, and what about the preseason All Big Ten selection? Kase Tominaga. We got to worry about him. There's so many different mm-hmm. factors that opponents have to plan for now that it provides opportunities in the in a good way mm-hmm. for Nebraska. And also, even though he's not having the year that maybe people were expecting from him, these Big Ten teams know because they mm-hmm. saw it last year. Jamarcus Lawrence, what he can offer. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where Nebraska's offense is insanely balanced. And I know that we talked about it before in the beginning of the season and and about, you know, partway through these first few games, you know, who are they going to go to in crunch time when it gets into a close game and they need a bucket? Well, it looks as if Juwan Gary and maybe Rink Mast might be those two guys where you again, you have two options in the in the clutch in the go to where you have two guys who you can dish the rock off to and say, look, we need a play. We're going to need you to make that play. And both of them, you have a decent amount of confidence in them being able to do that. So, again, spreading the love. Everybody's passing the rock, sharing the rock. Uh, Everybody can score in their own right. And you also have two go-to guys when it gets down into the nitty-gritty time. And, again, the free throws. It's something where, you know, somebody gets fouled. You're you're, Obviously, there are people who are better free throw shooters than others. But as Mm -hmm. a team, you feel pretty good about about whoever goes to the line. This is also uh, what, what... the improvements for certain guys from last year to this year. Right. And one of those guys I look at is CJ Wilcher. CJ had a, had a tough year last year. There's, there's just no way of sugarcoating it. Right. This year, here he is going 17 minutes a game off the bench in mm-hmm. most capacities, averaging seven points, averaging three rebounds and about one and a half assists per game. Right. Doesn't average many turnovers. He averages half of a turnover per game. And he's shooting 46% from the field. Shooting 46% from the field. And also 84% from the free throw line. He is third, fourth, excuse me, fourth on the team in free throw percentage. That's a guy that you're okay having come off the bench. Mm -hmm. And so I just think we we have to kind of separate maybe the the CJ Wilcher or some of the performances maybe we saw last year and say, okay, look at this under a new lens, under a new microscope, and say, all right, here we are about C.J. Wilcher specifically, a guy mm-hmm. that comes off the bench, doesn't try to do too much, doesn't try to come off the bench 
and prove that he should be starting. He's comfortable in his role. Fred Hoiberg's found a role for him as well. Um, Sean says this on the text line, 402-464-5685. He says, the fact that you can talk Nebraska basketball and not talk about Tominaga speaks volumes about this team. And that's true. Yeah. That shows, as cliche as it sounds, how deep they are, how many guys are available to play. I think when you look at Nebraska, um, we haven't also seen the best 2024 from K-State Tominaga. Teams also know and are much more aware of, of K-State Tominaga. Have so it's going to be more that difficult. K-State breakout game. Yeah, but there's a lot of season left. Oh, yeah. Big Ten Conference slate uh, after tonight's game against South Carolina State. Uh, we'll get into full swing here. So 6.30 p.m. Uh, tip-off, South Carolina State, Nebraska versus the Bulldogs. 6.30 p.m. tip-off on Big Ten+. Plus. Um, as I mentioned, and we've talked about this extensively before, there's going to be a lot of 8 p.m. tip-offs, especially the more Nebraska wins, the more they're going to flex those games to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. rather than 6 p.m. Some of these are set in stone already, though, obviously. Uh, but you have a couple of the first ones, right? Nebraska's first two home conference games that are on weeknights are going to be at 8 p.m. So the 8 p.m. crowd for Nebraska-Indiana, the 8 p.m. crowd for Nebraska versus Purdue on on a Tuesday, January 9th. Um, There's going to be opportunities, and they're all going to be advertised. I hope you didn't delete or unsubscribe from your Peacock subscription Uh because Nebraska versus number one Purdue is slated to be on Peacock, so make sure... You uh, don't forget that as the new year approaches January, if you don't want to spend for the rest of December and go for January or if they can prorate, whatever it is, uh, make sure you get that Peacock subscription or just buy a ticket, come out to Pinnacle Bank Arena. But I'm sure the tickets are going to be a little more expensive uh, for a a pretty good Nebraska basketball team and then a uh, really good Purdue Boilermakers squad. And also don't forget to tune in as soon as the game is over to 93.7 The Ticket as we have Austin Orman, Jake Bakovin, and uh, Eric Strickland, uh, when he is available, yeah. to bring you some uh, post-game basketball coverage right here on the ticket. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think when you look, uh, we also got this text, is is Blaze going to play this year? I doubt um, it. He says he would be a huge addition if so. I, I think there's not, I don't want to say that's hesitancy is not the right word. It's just the the doubt that we might see Blaze Kate. I, I would not hold your breath. No, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. It's we haven't heard any updates, and and without any updates, it's never really a good sign. I think so. Um, we'll we'll just see what happens. That's why guys like Matar, uh, Matar, are true freshmen, are gonna have to step up. If Rink Mass Josiah Alec gets in foul trouble, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be Matar who needs to kind of fill in down low. Uh, there. So, um. How about this? Uh, somebody says not going to pay to watch that bleep kicking. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We said that last year as well. Um, and the second time it was, but the first time the, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, Fletcher Lawyer, who was a freshman Goodness last year, gracious. tore Nebraska apart. Yes. I think both games he played against Nebraska. So, um, yeah, once again, 6.30 p.m. tip off tonight. What's this? We still, throughout that entire conversation, never talked about the ceiling or the floor, but we do need to get to break. So maybe we can talk about that expectations, realistic expectations. You let us know four, six, four, five, six, eight, five. What's the realistic ceiling? We all know the floor, right? When Nebraska's lived on the floor for the last 12 years um, of like no buy in the big 10 tournament, no NCAA tournament. They lose in the first round to an under a lower seeded team. 
whatever the case may be, that's been the floor for Nebraska basketball. What's the ceiling realistically for you guys as fans? What is the ceiling? What's the greatest achievement that Nebraska basketball could have this year? We'll talk about that and we'll assess it. I'll also read your text coming up next. Huge thanks to Empire Fence and Eddie for their support all show long. It's the last show of 2023, and uh, we're going to end it here in about a half an hour or so. You're listening to the Happy Hour, 93.7 The Ticket. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.